It's been a long, strange year in comedy, and as we barrel towards the end of 2021, we're gearing up for the return of Toronto's infamous Dark Comedy Festival, featuring some of the edgiest comics on both sides of the border. These are dark jokes for dark times. And maybe it's exactly what we need right now. I'm Dean Young, and we're about to go Inside the Joke. And yeah. like, let me tell you what human beings are. They're kind of inappropriate. And the less inappropriate they seem publicly, the more inappropriate they probably are privately. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to an all-new Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and, of course, streaming coast-to-coast, Canada-wide on the Global News Radio Network, brought to you by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you stand six feet away from everyone you know and love. I really can't wait for a year, (laughs) if it'll ever happen, when we don't need pandemic plugs anymore. Who knows? We, of course, have our producer, Vince Tedesco, on the line. How you doing, buddy? I can't take it anymore, Dean. I can't take it anymore. I mean, so where? I mean, it's it's such a double-edged sword right now because it feels like you know. I was talking to you before the show. Everything we do right now is like one step forward, two steps back. The last month, all we've been talking about is, hey, the clubs are back. Look, there's new clubs opening. Oh, festivals. Uh, and of course, tonight we are talking about the return of the Dark Comedy Festival, which was always a fan favorite in here in Toronto and always had sort of a really notorious edge to it, but. As always, the last couple of seasons of this show, you turn on the news and there's yet another COVID variant. This one's called Omnicron or something. It sounds like one of the goddamn Transformers and it's out to kill us all. So it's interesting. We're going to talk to a couple of the guys behind the Dark Comedy Festival and what it means to see that festival return to Toronto because it was always so well loved and what it looks like now. But now I'm also curious to pick their brains on what does happen if things knock on wood, shut down again. So we don't know. Um, one other thing, Vince, I want to get into with uh, with our friends here. It has been, I mean, it's been a tough year in comedy in general. Canadian comedy, It's it's. there's been some huge losses. It's been a tough one. Because a couple of months ago, we did say goodbye to the Canadian comedy icon, one of the greatest of the greats, Norm Macdonald. We lost him a couple months ago. And sadly, just this past week in Canadian comedy, another well-loved comic here from Canada and on the other side of the border too, Matt Billen, uh, we lost him, so I'm going to say a few words with that about that with our guest tonight, and and get their take on what it was like working with Matt and what generation of comics he came from, and do comics like him really exist anymore? He really was one of a kind. Uh, so we got a full show, Vince. It really is dark comedy for dark times. It certainly feels like it, uh, but a full panel tonight right here on Inside Jokes, and of course streaming all over North America on the Global News Radio Network tonight. We're talking dark comedy. For dark times, this never-ending tire fire of a world that we've been stuck in. But there's a silver lining, kind of. Festivals have been coming back. Clubs have been reopening. There's even been some new venues springing up, new comedy scenes happening 
in new cities. Uh, but we're talking tonight about the return of, I think, one of Toronto's more infamous festivals that people knew and loved here, the Dark Comedy Festival, which it's been a few years. I know that. So we got an old friend on the show, Tyler Morrison with us. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks. How are you? We're, we're good, man. We're good. I mean, we've talked to you a couple of times during this pandemic, either on Zoom or on the phone. Everybody's, I mean, you figured out a way around this. You've, you're still producing stuff through your cottage comedy label. You're still doing the festivals, working with whatever parameters you have. Uh, but yep. of course, you guys are bringing back the Dark Comedy Festival. We got the mastermind behind that. Rob May was on the line with us from New York. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good, dude. How are you doing? Nice to see you, Dean. We're good, right? It's been a few years. Definitely pre-pandemic, yeah. for sure. And then I haven't, even, I haven't stepped foot in my own country almost two years now. <laughs> well, here's that's the way we like it. <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was curious. That's what I was curious about. Because you were, I mean, yeah, you were in Chicago. You're back in New York now. Was this a plan for a while for you to bring back the Dark Comedy Festival? Because, of course, it ran here in Toronto for years. It started here. Well, a little pull the curtain back, Dean. Uh, we're the way we run the festival gave us a lot of flexibility in this time. We're kind yeah. of fortunate. We don't own a venue. We work with different venues. We work with different comedians. So essentially, what we did in the time being was just try to gobble up every comedian we could. I mean, yeah. we even though everything got canceled, we had four festivals over the last two years. They just kept getting pushed back, and. It, it put us in an interesting position. Obviously, it's how we make our living, and that made things quite difficult. But, you know, uh, the way we set things up gave us a little bit of ability to be nimble on our feet. And I think now that the world's coming back, we have a strategic advantage, and we're really going to be able to, like, you know, hey, uh, if someone doesn't like me listening to this, we're going to get to shove it down your throat over the next yeah. calendar year. Because <laughs> we come back in, in, with December in Toronto – Vancouver in January, December and Feb February, Toronto again, April in Toronto again. We're looking at doing some American markets. We, I'll lose everything as long as it bothers everybody, you know? So <laughs> this isn't going away anywhere. Uh, I'll, I'll put myself right back onto the street. I don't give a or uh, a heck or whatever we can say on this. It's, uh, I, 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 I'm determined to be the festival that everybody hates for the next 20 years, not just 10, you know? So it's been a bit during this whole time, during the pandemic, it's been, I guess, a bit of a traveling roadshow. Was that always your hope, though, to, to bring it back home eventually? Once, Because, I mean, I don't know. You can tell me how true this is, Rob. I mean, any American comics and Canadian expats down there that we've talked to during the last season and a half during the pandemic, they've all talked about how, I mean, obviously, yeah, there's guidelines and masks and all the same stuff down there, but how easier it was to work within those parameters stateside. I mean, it, it was still possible to do a lot more than we could here. Honestly, it's, I have to say, I'm a very proud Canadian. I, I am an arrogant Canadian here, but it's the first time ever I was happy to be living here. Uh, I live here out of necessity. I'm trying to make, you know, my bones in this business. And part of that is living in the, in the city and I'm uh, living very comfortably. Uh, I got a great apartment, the pandemic, there are fringe benefits to everything. You just had to know how to work it, work it. And luckily, scumbags like me who live on the, the, the fly-by-night tend to uh, be able to take advantage of stuff like that. Um, it was, all, I mean, we never stopped. I, I actually, we did a, a festival right before the pandemic, in February, right before the pandemic. We sold every, every seat in Toronto. Uh, yeah. Shane Gillis, Tim Dillon, and Mark Norman, who we have back in December. And we did the best we ever did. And prior to that was actually as long a gap in between festivals. Cause I had just gotten to a point where, why am I putting out all this effort for other people? 
You know, this isn't about me. I'm doing this for other people. And it felt like at a certain point I needed to focus on me and, and, and my own career and stop worrying about it. But Canada's comedy scene, I'll speak to Toronto mostly, but I got, I got to imagine across Vancouver, you know, um, there was a real civil war there. It seemed like, and, and I'm, and I'm yeah. watching from afar and I, look, I was involved in it. I'm as guilty as polarizing everybody. The festivals as guilty as polarizing everybody. I mean, we took to this fracture in comedy. We marketed it. I mean, we're not, not guilty in this either, but, it, but we love everybody. You know, we, we wanted to just do what we do and then find fun ways that even if you don't do that, bring it in, you know, but there wasn't that attitude the other way. And all these great comics, Big J hasn't been there. And Big J Overson hasn't been in Toronto six years. Yeah. Nobody was bringing Tim Dillon before he could play at theater. Nobody was bringing Mark Norman. Shane Gillis probably couldn't even safely walk down the street in Toronto. And, and these people did nothing wrong. And so I had to take that moment to be like, one, for the comedians, because this is what I do. And what am, who am I if I just let them be bullied out of their career in this country? And also the fans. I mean, what, what everyone didn't realize by pushing these type of comedians out is that you were creating an even better market for them. And you see it now, what's happened. Andrew Schultz comes and sells the Meridian out three times. Tim is doing the Meridian on, on yeah. New Year's Eve. You watch the comedians that go through the cycle of what we do. Either young, edgy comic up or recently canceled veterans that we have to rehabilitate <laughs> Guess this is what we back. specialize in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like we welcome, you see, you get a little funky, we welcome you back. We show everybody you can sell tickets and nobody really cares that none of these, these are not, look, we're not going to work with predators. You know, we're not, we're not hiring assaulters or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. There are people who are pushed out of this industry for no good reason. And let me tell you, I was in Toronto for 10 years. The people who pushed them out, are far worse people and it's been exposed repeatedly <laughs> yeah. that they are far worse people and you can find them on cameo <laughs> <laughs> it's like people are projecting this stuff you know shane gillis is a nice dude you know what i mean like ari shafir is one of legitimately the nicest people on the planet like i watch his dog he he showers me and gets it these are wonderful people who if you do any like a little thing for them they can't cut I know these other people. They're not that. These are not who these people are. Yeah. So when they pushed all these people out and took their ability to make a living away, I was like, now nah, let's just, I, it's time for it to come back. And until things change again, which it looks like they are, this pandemic, look, you said it, dark times do this, you yeah. know? So this kind of comedy was going to come back. It clearly has come back. We got it for a little bit, but this will probably be too big for us in a little bit. All those names we had at the beginning, those guys are outgrowing us again. Like, this is what happens. You can try to do this to people, but talent will win out overall. Shane Gillis is one of the most talented comedic personalities in the world. You weren't going to stop Shane Gillis. So, you know, we're just, we just want to be part of that, be a little ecosystem. It'd be nice if we could help more comics out locally. We're working on that in the future. But right now we just, we just got to show people that like, stick with it, you know, don't, and don't get into these edges. Because what we also don't want to do is be edgelords. You know, we're, we're looking, Shane Gillis is an unbelievably talented comedian. Mark Norman is an unbelievably talented comedian. Lewis is, is uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> it, we don't want to get into territories where we're booking people because we just want to say crazy stuff. We want the ability that if there's crazy stuff inside you, 
You can yeah. say it and you can still make a living and you can make people laugh and the people that want to see it come out and see it. And that's the whole thing. I mean, we'll get back from the break with more of this, but there's definitely an audience there that's kind of going, why are you telling us we can't watch this stuff? We are the audience for this. Stop stop safeguarding us from what we actually want to see, uh, which, of course, is a big thing of what this festival is all about. We're going to come back with more Dark Comedy Festival with Rob Mayo and Tyler Morrison right here on Inside Jokes. Hi, my name's Graham Kay, and you are listening to Inside Jokes 640. One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small. Welcome back to Inside Jokes, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto, brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Hakeem Optical, helping you spot hecklers in the crowd since 1967. We got Rob and Tyler on the line. We're talking Dark Comedy Festival, which, again, we were saying before the break, I don't think spiritually in the world right now there could be a more perfect time for the dark comedy festival to come back to toronto and yeah i mean rob you were talking about all these comics who you book on this festival and you have kept it going stateside during the pandemic these are a lot of comics who got sort of almost blacklisted by but in places like toronto where people went no they're too edgy they're too dark we could be you don't want to see this but there's an audience for that and I think we're going in the wrong direction because I think right now when things are kind of at their worst and the news is crazy and the world's on fire and it's a pandemic and da, 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 I think what people want is to go to a festival like this and sit in a room and hear comics really rip this stuff apart. Not avoid it, but actually get right into it. Is that a big part of the festival this year when it comes back to Toronto? I mean, I think um, just in general, it's it's uh, the theme of the whole the whole event is, you know, you say what you want and be funny about it. I mean, but look at what's going on in Toronto. Like, look what just happened with Andrew Schultz. He's playing, uh, he was going to play Massey Hall. And then these little weenies at Massey Hall who think that they're morally superior to all of the people in the city of Toronto who are adults, who are consumers, who have the right to spend their money on who they want to see. They come to him and cancel his show and tell him that we don't want inappropriate humor on our stage. This is a legendary uh, venue in Toronto that's supposed to be prestigious and supposed to understand what the arts are. And they go to a guy who is making an honest living and do that. And then look what happens. The market dictated. He went to Meridian Hall and he's selling out. How many shows has he sold out now, Rob? Three or three. He sold three now. And, yeah, and uh, first of all, let, let me point out the, the funny. And he was here first this. at Dark Fest first. Uh, before sure, before yeah. any of that. And, and uh, this, this festival I also suggested I also suggested he use Massey Hall, which is a pretty funny because <laughs> everything everything I touch turns to just absolute nightmares. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a perfect example of, of the the market dictating that. And 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 what's so offensive about that is that like Massey Hall is a historical landmark, right? Nothing can ever happen to Massey Hall. Massey Hall can't be demolished. It can't be renamed. Yeah. It has protections now, and it built those protections off the back of artists that they weren't censoring. So they spent decades, you know, do you think Neil Young agrees with this? You know what I mean? Like, do you think that any Chappelle they've had through there and any, every New Year's Eve, the comedians, Tyler, you've played there on New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, I did. It was always Yuck Yuck's yeah. comics, New Year's Eve, saying so, what they wanted to say. So yeah. let me you, see what I wanted to built, say then. <laughs> they, they built a legacy and protection off the back of these artists. And now they have that legacy and protection. Nothing can happen to Massey Hall. It's not going anywhere. 
It can lose it is all the, the money space. it wants. It's <laughs> the safest space and it can't go anywhere. So now it built that protection and reputation off the backs of artists doing what they think is right. And now they're going to go, well, what can happen to us? Let's just push what we've, we've done for decades away. And, and now we've used that, the, the artist's integrity. This is, nobody cares about Massey Hall. I'm sorry, Massey Hall. I, I, I'm speaking to you directly now. You <laughs> provide seating. And by the way, pretty horrifically uncomfortable seating, if I have to add. And oh, yeah. That's you want to go it. hemorrhoids. <laughs> that's all you provide. You provided a space for artists to come and do what they do. And that's what brought people in. You know, uh, maybe yeah. a subscription service. Congratulations. But none of that was built off anything but artists. So to see you turn your back on artists now is unforgivable. I mean, they Dude. should revoke their like uh, historical status. I saw Dice Clay there. I saw Chappelle there. It's insane that they would pull this. Or well, I guess we're not allowed to swear. But yeah. <laughs> and, and also, okay. and let me we'll tell you something. What Andrew, you're gonna hear the bleep. You censorship. You guys are censored too, just like Massey Hall. Global yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Massey Hall put us put you up to this interview. Part um, of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is true, though. Look, I mean, it, it's me and, and Tyler both sl have slept on Andrew's couch in New York. Yeah, he has wonderful parents from a wonderful upbringing. Andrew's better than these people. Like I and I even have my own whatevers with Andrew. He's better than you guys. Like as a person, as an artist as a businessman he's better like he's a nicer more kind caring person than, than most of the people probably saying this stuff and that shouldn't be lost on anyone that's not a coincidence like we, I, I think my biggest issue with what happened to me in canada and, and what happens to comics like me or tyler and even though tyler skates because he's just a fun alcoholic but you know <laughs> comics well he's up in the muskokas so it's he's yeah, got it, that folksiness tyler Tyler did it the right way. He got him. He comes in, he does his comedy, he has a beer, and he goes back to the woods. That's how you got to handle it. Yeah. They don't but, want me there all the time, believe me. No, you have a real problem if you were there more than three nights a week. But, it, you know, it's, I was around these people. I, you know, I saw who they are, and it's, these people are projected. When they look at Andrew Schultz, I mean, Andrew doesn't, there's nothing following Andrew. There's no accusations. There's no, what, like, there, yeah. there isn't this thing following Andrew around to make Matthew Hall go to, they go, you're kind of inappropriate. Yeah. And like, let me tell you what human beings are. They're kind of inappropriate. And the less inappropriate they seem publicly, the more inappropriate they probably are privately. So, I've, and it does, I mean, it's, it sets such a crazy and, and dangerous precedent too, because it's like, when did we get to this point in the last few years where now we're policing what audiences want to see? These are grown adults who they're a fan of this comic they want to see these comics same with the people you have on dark comedy festival like they want to watch this when did the venue owners decide well no we get to morally police this based on we eh, we don't like the material our movie theaters well, need to start pulling movies because they don't want you to see them i mean it really sets up well, this they show. are and, and look I, i've gone back to buying physical media because when i go oh i like that movie but Think about how much we got rid of physical media. They're, if they don't like a movie anymore, they'll just remove from the streaming and you'll never see it again. Yeah. So now I, I'm back to the point where if I like a movie, uh, the movie Kids, love the movie Kids. Yeah. I had to go out Very and exactly. buy the movie Kids because you're not going to find a movie Kids in 10 years. It's already not on streaming. So go out and get a copy of it now because they're not going to show that stuff to you. Yeah, and true, we've yeah. removed all of that. And, and like you had a point, you, something you said just before the, the movie theater point is, I mean, we've had to go a, a real 
stretch to find venues and whatever. But there's also, again, there's another thing we don't want to do, which is go into this place where it's say, I don't want to make everything this left or right paradigm. I, I, you know, I'm an edgy comic, but I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter. I'm a Canadian. I, I'm, I'm a vote of socialist to come here, right, in comparison to whatever. I don't want to make it that. But the tendency is this is a left-wing thing and the right-wing thing is to be reactionary in the other way and whatever. We don't want to be that. And yeah. comedy shouldn't be that. Like, there is nothing funny about going, these people want me dead and what? Like, this, this extreme thing we've gotten each other to, and we're guilty of it too, again. But this started happening 10 years ago. Yeah. And I'm guilty of it because they were doing this to me 10 years ago. They were going, I'm this and I'm that. They were writing articles about me without using my name. And some of these people built careers off of them. They rode uh, a wave we'll say, uh, to success. <laughs> yeah. Very... And you know, and it's not just them, but like there were people who took this opportunity to go, this guy works really hard. I've never done anything to these people. I mean, I literally yeah. put these people on shows, but the opportunity was to go, this guy works really hard. Let's tear him down and make a thing off of it ourselves. That's who those people are. And, and what happens is, and I was seeing it 10 years ago, and I tried to warn people of the slippery slope. This is how I got myself in that position, was the screaming the alarm bells of, hey, guys, this isn't going in the right direction. And I'm here to say, Canada, 10 years later, I couldn't have possibly been more right. It's unbelievable where it's gotten. And I can well, say that because I'm in the New York comedy scene where, to, where this exists to this degree. And I'll tell you why it exists, and I'll, and I'll, I'll stop. I'm sorry. But the reason it doesn't exist here is because we've all made a very difficult decision to live and make a run at a very difficult business together. Yeah. And so we don't tear each other down because we understand how hard this is. And I think the people that do try to tear each other down, it's because they don't really got skin in the game. They didn't really throw themselves in. They didn't really take the chance. You know, they, they, they want a, a hatch door to escape from this world when it gets ugly. The people who chose to just throw themselves in an ugly world because we didn't really have a choice. There was nothing else I was going to do. These people, they step in for a little bit. They go, how can we tear something down and make something for ourselves and then skate on? I don't even know if those people do comedy anymore. A lot of and, it too and, is, uh, I would say it's like Big Brother. There's always that, like the one guy who's like a really good competitor and athlete and just like kills all the competitions. And then everyone else just gangs up on those people and tries to like tear them down. That's a lot about comedy too. No one, they don't like seeing winners win. They don't like seeing winners get ahead. And so they, you know, the little bottom feeders, they try and pull those people down. And, and that's a lot about what happens in these scenes that get toxic because there's a bunch of losers tired of losing and they're going to keep losing but they think that the only and, way that they can get ahead is by putting up these goalposts and these barriers for comedy and content. If we change the rules a little bit and it, it'll make it easier for us. And then yeah. it becomes this weird thing to navigate. And, and, you see it when you come into like, when you're out, out of the scene, like where I, cause I don't live in a scene. I'm uncorrupted by the politics of a comedy scene. I get to come in fresh and do what I do. Cause I don't give a, I don't, like, I don't care what the crowd thinks. Or, or not what the crowd thinks, but what the, the comedy industry thinks. So I get to go on stage and do my act and the crowds are, are they react to that. Cause I'm being real. I'm, I'm not trying to read from a little comedy handbook that's been provided to me at comedy bar when I walk through the door, because you, <laughs> you gotta be safe and you can't say. And, these and, and let's be here. very clear. Me and Tyler were not like 
blessed by God as comedians, you know, like, you know, I, I come from a pretty rough circumstance. That, I took like, that power myself. You know what I mean? Well, it, but it is work. <laughs> it's work. You know, Kanye it's like for the first 10 years of our career, it was every night. And then it was, hey, let's go on the road and take door deals and take a chance. Maybe we lose yeah. money. And let's bring this person in and see how that goes. Like, people think that, like, this doing a festival thing was, like, a shortcut to some degree. It is not a shortcut. It's the what? longest cut possible. And, like, but we did we did it and we continue to do it because it feels like the right thing. And we just love comedy. Like, we, and- it's about a passion for what this is. We, there's a lot of people in the industry that are takers and we're people who we work really hard for what we did, learned all the back end of it. And so we know how to survive in, in lean times and thrive in good times. And, and that's what we learned over taking the hard road as opposed to taking the shortcuts and being the industry darlings that are just on the trough. And I think that and, and, you know that's what this festival does represent. Yeah. And takers is the perfect way of putting it because I do really feel like, I think that the, the growing frustration, you know, I'm 12 years in the game now. Takers is like the number one thing that eventually bothers you is you realize that in Canada in particular can be a bad habit of let me wait around for these few particular things just for laughs will give me the little pat in the head. I'll get my one yucks to her. I'll what there's these little things and people just wait for them. And, and it's not until you start, you know, Tyler very early in his career went to the Boston comedy festival. He started dabbling in U S stuff. You know, he, he started dabbling in what I, I'm sorry, but to call the real industry, you know, and once you get into the real industry, you realize what it takes to make it in the real industry. And all of this other little stuff just goes away because it's just not important. And it's not real. You know, if, if we had a person on the festival and we found out they did something to a woman that was there or to anybody that was there, or they did something, you know, if there was something inappropriate, we'd be, not only would be the first person not to book them again, I, I mean, I beat the, the balls off. I can say balls off <laughs> probably on this, right? I mean, like, I, that's, it's so silly to look at us this way. I promise you, you, we're who you want in that scenario. Me and Tyler yeah. are good guys that way. And we're both kind of violent animals in the right situation. And like, <laughs> we're who you want. We want to book offensive folks who are good people that haven't done anything wrong and, and keep the bad people out. I'm fine with keeping the bad people out. I mean, when a statute of limitations is up on the story in Chicago, I'll out that mother, uh, that fella, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but all of that, I'll come right back on global 640 and it, tell you all about that guy. And I hope you see this and you hear that because your time is coming, but it is true though. I mean, knowing you guys over the years, you are two of those comics that when this, you know, the hits the fan or something goes wrong, you are two of the first people behind the scenes off stage to reach out to somebody and to look after other comics. Uh, I really could talk to you guys about this all day. Before we do let you go, Rob will hit you first. So when do we have the Dark Comedy Festival coming? How can people get tickets? Um, so uh, everything's on sale now. It's December 17th the 19th. We have uh, Ryan Long, Louis J. Gomez, and Mark Norman. But uh, since this goes out everywhere, we could actually, we're, we're selling unbelievably. Uh, if you want tickets to it, get them now because there's, it, we're starting to get into where we probably can't add more shows and tickets are getting scarce. But please, if you're in Vancouver, we've got a festival out there in January as well, the uh, 13th to the 15th. And when we're back in Toronto, February 11th and 12th with Joe List so, and Eddie Pepitone. So, um, nice. yeah, we're going to be annoying. We're really, we're really, if you really You're going tickets, you know? Ticketscene.ca. There we go. Wonderful partners. It's it's, it's so good to see this actually back here in Toronto and see this happening again. 
where it belongs and when it belongs. Tyler, before we let you go, uh, where can people find all your stuff, Cottage Country and everything? Yeah, yeah, go to cottagecomedy.com. You can check out all the artists on uh, the Cottage Comedy digital label, and uh, you can check out my stand-up uh, on YouTube. I got a special too soon that's available for free on YouTube. Check that out, and come see me at Darkfest. I'm going to be hosting some of the shows, and we're yeah, going right. to be on all that stuff. Beautiful. There we go. Tyler Morrison, Rob Mayhew, thank you guys so much. Uh, again, I'm so glad to see this festival finally coming back. It's been a few years. I know you've been doing it all over the States, Rob, but it's good to see it come back home. Uh, but we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Well, awesome. Thank Thanks, you. guys. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Thank Thanks, you. boys. Hi, I'm Kenny Robinson. Uh, you're listening to uh, Inside Jokes. And if you could see me, you would know that I am wearing a pair of glasses from Hakeem, makers of fine eyewear. <laughs> Welcome back to Inside Jokes, baby, right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Brought to you, of course, by Hakeem Optical and by Ivermectin. Worried about the Omicron variant? Ivermectin is the horse dewormer. That is for you. Thank you again to Rob Mayo and Tyler Morrison. We got the Dark Comedy Festival making its return finally after a few years here in Toronto at the Royal coming up this December. Now we're switching gears. We got a comic who we haven't talked to in a while and who just, just cleaned up at the Seattle International Comedy Competition. Second comic in 40 years, second Canadian comic in 40 years to win that comp. He came back. 41. Oh, my God. Danny Martinello's online. How you doing, buddy? Good. Yourself? We're good. We're good. So, I mean, yeah, we wanted to pick your brain on. I know you released a new album this year. You've been a busy guy, so we're going to get into all that stuff. But first off, you you literally just got back in Toronto after cleaning house down in Seattle. What was that, by by the way, being on... (laughs) being on a huge competition on a festival like that during all this. Cause I mean, all this stuff just sort of reopened again. Uh, it, it was honestly like, it was just a blessing. It was like a pleasure because we went from doing no shows to doing like 500 seat soft seat theaters, like two yeah. theaters, like all across Washington or the Seattle area. But it was like, it was grueling to be honest. Like, cause it's a three week con- like, well, it's a, it's a full month long, but the way I did it is I took the prelims, the second group stages of prelims. So you have 32 comics that are applied out of a hundred people. They pick that. Then there's two rounds of 16 comics. Then they take the top five from both of those rounds. Then the top 10 out of the 32 go into the semis. Then the top five out of the 10 go to the finals. But I was there for like a full three weeks just bobbing around Seattle and that whole area. And were you yeah, going from uh, seven to ten or five to go ahead? Were you doing so in between when you're on? Cause I mean, I know you were working steadily during the pandemic, at least as much as you're able to in Canada. I mean, you stayed pretty busy, but when you're down there doing a festival, this size, doing a competition, this size, were you going out and hitting local mics and all that kind of stuff just to hone stuff while you were down there? Like, how do you prepare for something mm-hmm. like that right now? Well, it was like, because uh, I, I haven't performed out of Canada in three years, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, let's, like, I wanted to do an open mic before the festival started or the competition, but I, I went to one and then they had a blown 
water pipe so the gig was canceled so then <laughs> i went and did my, my first set my first set was uh was and like honing it and figuring out what i'm gonna do and like tweaking it was like the first night of the competition and so oh. i played uh, bullet out of the gate and then yeah. i placed 13 out of 16 comics and then so i re-listened to my set i was like oh okay this is what i gotta do and then i tweaked it and then i just swept it first every night for the rest of the whole competition basically well except for the finals like well the semis too but i hit top spot so like i got first place in my prelims first place in the semis and then first place in the finals but my first set back like tweaking and prepping was like a night of the competition and how much i mean when you're down there and you win a when you win a competition like this stateside how much industry is there watching because in canada i mean as you know it's sort of like let's say you get to jfl let's say you win homegrown let's say you get signed by yucks at a certain point there really is kind of a glass ceiling there and then you're just really just well known by other comics across the country when you were there i mean was there right now especially a lot of that industry presence there paying attention uh well because this is the first year coming back from covid so they're kind of like uh they were in it but they weren't almost in a sense where it was like they they had their ears and their finger to the pulse and then like uh some club bookers have approached me and all that, but I also need to have like my U S paperwork. Right. So I can only yeah. go so far, but hopefully it gives more recognition in here because we haven't even hit the glass ceiling yet. We've hit the glass wall, but we're going to break yeah. on through. Right. So hopefully winning this has actually given me more recognition and, and, and uh, I guess just respect from the Canadian industry to say like, yeah, this guy's hard. This guy is funny. Let's, let's give him the opportunities we probably should have gave him before. Awesome. Exactly. Awesome. Congrats. Congrats. We're going to come back with Seattle International Comedy Competition winner Danny Martinello back home in Canada. We'll be back right here on Inside Joke. You're listening to Inside Jokes on 640. I'm at the sock and I don't know why I just did this. to Inside Jokes right here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto and of course coast to coast Canada wide on the Global News Radio Network we're talking dark comedy we're talking the return of festivals and now we're talking to Danny Martinello who just won the Seattle International Comedy Competition post-COVID it was the first year bringing it back and the first time in literally decades Danny that a Canadian comic has taken it home in Seattle yeah how does that feel, man? After a time when you sort of, I mean, I know, again, I mean, you're one of those comics who you stayed as busy as you could this year. You pumped out a new album. You're putting out digital stuff. You're working as much as you can. But to go down and play something this size after a time when everything's been on sort of pause and to be able to just take it home. I mean, that's got to be a great feeling to jump back into your career after all this. Oh, yeah. And it was like, it was just, I don't know, going there, I kind of had like, I, was, I wasn't going to come home like a loser in a sense like after because all these guys were like well when we were down there it was like these guys were kind of like oh you know bummed out but playing like these huge theaters and i'm like you guys don't even understand especially coming from toronto being the most locked down city in the world that like this is this it's just an honor and it's just like i'm like in heaven you know playing like a 500 seater 
with huge like stage and everything and like everybody's out in full force having a blast and then it's kind of like I'm like I'm not taking this for granted almost you know and then especially after all these people like all like I guess if we're in a dark episode all the deaths we had in our Canadian industry right where it's yeah yeah that this year you know you know so it was kind of like one I'm doing it for the whole crew and the city of Edmonton and Toronto and I'm also doing it for a nation and it's like I'm the there was a couple other Canadians but they didn't make it past their prelims and then I'm like I got to hold it down and I know I could smoke these guys too. Right. So I'm like, but they were all like being respectful. They were all super tough competitors and they had to bring out every ounce of talent I had, but it was like, I'm not coming back to a place, especially with this like lingering, what are we going to close down again for the winter, all this thing. So I'm like, yeah. I'm banging out as hard as I can and, and I'm not coming back unless I'm coming back with the hardware. So which, by the way, you know, ever everybody's talking about this new variant and what might happen because literally only for the last couple months have we seen, you know, Comedy Bar here in Toronto reopen and started packing shows every single night. Yuck Yuck started opening up all those doors again. Festivals are starting to come back. We were talking about the Dark Comedy Festival earlier. So we're in a space right now where it's literally only been the last few months that the country and Toronto has sort of reopened again. And I mean, you... You originally hail from Alberta, which is like the holy land for road dogs in Canadian comedy. Oh, that's, that's like the yeah, best touring in the country. Me. I mean, you know, you could just go casino town, casino town and bounce around between clubs. Yeah. It's the land of road work for you. I mean, and you've been at this a long time. Obviously, nobody's seen a pandemic like this before. Do you think now that everybody is talking about this new variant and what what could happen and everything just reopened, do you think maybe we'll have some we'll be able to figure out a different way around it this time if things do start closing down like do you think it'll really do what it did before i mean if it does then it's like the people in power are just stupid to be honest because it's like if you look at like the news and everything else everybody's saying like we're gonna have to live with it so what what a new variant's gonna come out and then we're gonna have to shut down we're gonna have to do all this like yeah from, from the beginning from the beginning it was like I don't know what it is, right? I guess you can control the disease, but from like, I'm not a scientist, but from what it sounds like, your virus will always evolve and manipulate itself into a new thing. But it's like, what are we going to do? Really? Are we going to shut down every time this comes down? So it's like, I don't know. But then again, who knows, right? Like, I just, well, think- and especially, you know, especially comedy because it's all crowd based and it's tied in so much with restaurants and bars and hospitality and tourism, like all those industries comedy is such a part of all those industries and i think it's totally right i mean if we we literally can't afford to shut down an entire industry again the way we did before i mean we're at a point now already where like the government's just printing fake money that (laughs) doesn't exist to give away to people because there's nothing else because there's nothing coming in right i mean so i really don't think we can do that again yeah i don't i i hope not i have faith in the world that i think we're just going to push on through and and uh like i say you know put the pedal to the metal till the tea kettle sings at this point like let's just go <laughs> let it let it rip man you know like what what are we gonna like at some point you got to be like what are we doing here you know so it's yeah. like let's just go out and have fun and and I don't know, you always kind of knew what was maybe something's going to happen in winter, but I think, I, I don't know. I think we put in enough restrictions. Everybody's vaxxed up. We got our stuff. So it's kind of like, let's, let's just move on forward. And, you know, you know, that's, that, but I don't, Danny's a bright light at this episode. I was going to say that's maybe the most Alberta thing I've heard even you say, but you always sound like one of those hockey players that's being interviewed on 
on TSN. You're just like, you know, we got a good bunch of guys. We're just going to go out there. we got a lot of heart. Yeah, right? 110%, <laughs> buddy. Yeah, I got, I got a good locker room ethics. <laughs> but I think hey, it's what we need. Your are doing well. Your owners are doing well. I think oh, it's what we yeah, need because yeah, yeah. there has Royal been oil, baby. <laughs> there has been so much doom and gloom. So I think it's the attitude we need. And I think I, I think we will sort of figure out a way around this this time if it does happen. Uh, Danny, once again, huge congrats on the Seattle competition. That's that's just Thank nice you, to see a home a homegrown comic take that home for yeah. sure after all this. Um, and also before we do let you go, so yeah, this past year with cottage country comedy. You did uh, COVID operations that Tyler Morrison put together with you. Where can people find that and get some of your stuff online? Uh, you can listen it now. It's on all platforms. You can get it on Spotify, Apple Music. You can go to the Bandcamp and purchase it, preferably that way. But if you want to, you know, times are tough, then here's a little shining light for your earlobes. So uh, <laughs> you can listen on Spotify, every major streaming platform. And then, uh, yeah, just purchase it on, ba- on Bandcamp. So. Perfect. All right, Danny Martinello, thank you so much, man. Huge congrats again. It's nice. It's nice to see. And and again, it's good to just see things reopening again. We won't we won't do it a second time or a third time or fourth, whatever it is now. Yeah, you you only get to see me live, not on Zoom, unless it's your show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Danny, man. I love it. Danny Martinello, congrats again, buddy. Thank you so much. All right, we'll talk to you later, man. That is our show. Thank you again to Rob Mayo and Tyler Morrison. Catch them at the return of the Dark Comedy Festival here at Toronto's Royal Theatre, December 17th to 19th. And again, huge congrats and thank you to Danny Martinello. You can find his album, COVID Operations, on all platforms. That is our show. We'll be back next week. Hi, this is Alicia Carusi, and you're listening to my aunt, Sandra Carusi's Comedy Rx. Danny Martinello from his winning performance at the Seattle International Comedy competition. Hey, I don't even know where I am. I'm from Canada, so <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. You know, it's wicked. They're like, you're going to Auburn. I'm like, all right, let's go. You know, uh, I'm just happy. Yeah, you because know, that's what it is, dude. I got two feet in a heartbeat, and if the sun's shining on me, my smile's shining on you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. And the whole time, man, my country wanted to shut down again. They're like, a fourth wave is coming. Let's shut her down. I'm like, man, let's let it rip. You know? <laughs> trying to put the pedal to the metal to the tea kettle sing, dude. That's what I'm all about it. You guys are like, you are way too Canadian right now. Yo, I'm crossing those arms, dude. Come on, bro. Open your chakra up to me.